Good afternoon, everyone, on this hot and humid summer Friday. You're listening to I Love Photography, the, our weekly show about everything photographic. Maybe you're watching us on youtube.com slash photoshelter, or maybe you're listening to us on the podcast by going to iTunes and searching for I Love Photography. As always, I'm joined by my also shiny head, forehead, shiny foreheaded <laughs> co-host Sarah Jacobs. What's going on, Sarah? Hey, Alan. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to yeah, you know, I have the AC going on very high and still have a shiny forehead. It's hot. It's what hot. can you do? It's Indian September summer. in New York. It's an Indian summer. <laughs> Indian summer. Uh, so here we go. You know, before we even start talking about photography, we should let the people know that in a mere, mere two hours we have uh, a photo shelter webinar. We and do. that is uh, with the website Breed. Let's show them, there you go, Making the Cut in Fashion Photography, a webinar with Breed. You've, you've kind of produced this one. I did, yeah. This is with two great photographers, Melissa Rodwell, who's kind of a veteran of the industry. She's been doing this for years and years and has been teaching workshops all over the world. Um, she's going to be speaking along with Dana Pennington. Uh, he's a little bit newer to the scene but has amazing work, and they're going to talk all about marketing your work, um, things to do on set, and overall career advice. So definitely tune in. And if not today, we'll have a recording up on the blog. You can catch it anytime. Always go to the blog. We always have it on the blog. Always on the blog, that's right. Sarah, the big thing uh, permeating popular culture, as well as being related to photography this week, of course, was the, uh, the, the nude photos of Jennifer Lawrence, J-Law, Kate Upton, and others. Um, that came onto the scene on, I think it was uh, last week on Sunday or Monday, mm -hmm. whenever it was. Um, and there's just been a whole lot of discussion and I, I wanted to get your take on it as a woman to see what you thought about the whole the whole fracas. <laughs> well, it's really unfortunate and it's nerve-wracking that people can, you know, hack into your iCloud and get this stuff. Um, you know, some people might be saying, well, why do they have these uploaded to their iCloud? It's like everyone uses the iCloud. Which, yeah. So that, that argument is just invalid. Um, and it's, it, it is, I mean, Lena Dunham tweeted out, you know, you're violating these women every time you look at these images. And it really is true. These images were not meant for the public's eye. Um, they spread like wildfire, obviously, across, across the internet. And it's really unfortunate and sad for them. And I don't, I haven't heard anything from the actresses, which, uh, like Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, she's very outspoken. She's usually, you know, in the public eye, but she has stayed quiet from what, I, from what I've seen, I think, anyway, um, which just shows probably how embarrassed she is and disappointed in, in humanity right now. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. There, there have been other... Uh, cases where celebrity uh, nudes have been revealed. Um, why do you think that the uproar is so great this time? Is it because there was like multiple celebrities or is it because everyone loves J-Law and they're like, no, you can't do this? <laughs> um, it might be because it's, it involves Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. Because um, I feel like that's the biggest name that's come about. Kate Upton, we're all kind of like, well, we've seen a lot of her anyway, you know. That you know, that was actually my take on Kate Upton, which was, which was, she 
she probably doesn't really care. Right, right, exactly. Which is probably really not a nice <laughs> thing to say, but I kind of think she doesn't care. She's like, she's a bikini model. She does a lot of like really like sexy stuff. It's like, it's like her and her boyfriend, topless. Right. You see that on GQ. It's like not a not a big deal. J Lie, totally. I, I to totally understand. Totally respect. I, some of these other people, I didn't know who they were. Well, it might also be, I mean, because the fact that it was hacked into an iCloud, I mean, so that just kind of brings up the whole question of security in general because yeah. everybody, you know, it uses Apple's iCloud. So. Yeah, you know, the, the so it sort of exploded when all this stuff went onto Reddit and a group of, uh, of users on Reddit got together and said, uh, we're going to make a donation to the Prostate Research Foundation or whatever it is, right? Kind of a la the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. And they raised several thousand dollars. I think it was like $5,000 or something. And then, you know, the whole joke was like, oh, masturbation is good for you, so we're going to support the Prostate Foundation. And the Prostate Foundation rejected the money. They said, we're not going to take this money because you did it under like very dubious circumstances. And I thought that was great. First of all, it wasn't a whole lot of money. It's like, oh, you guys thought you were being so cute because you raised money for prostate research and you raised five grand, and they said, no, no thanks. We don't need it in this context. Good for them. Yeah. All, all, of the, all of the, you know, the commentary about, oh, well, then you shouldn't take nude photos or you shouldn't upload them into the cloud. Like, I, I, I totally agree with you. That's all, like, that's all just a BS viewpoint to take. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, everybody has a cell phone. A lot of people take nude photos. That doesn't mean that somebody can break into your account and steal them and then post them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 100% agreed. All <laughs> what right, are you supposed to do, like, use film and, like, keep yeah. it under your bed? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Nobody, nobody does that anymore. There, there were some discussions about, you know, well, all of these methods for securing stuff, you know, the, the password is so lame, and then the, the password hints, like, what's your mother's maiden name can be found online. Mm-hmm. Um, all the two-factor authentication, they said, you know, when it sends a, a code to your phone, they said, well, in this case, iCloud doesn't actually use that. It's only used for the mail component of that. Um, yeah, I mean, security on the Internet is just, I can't, I can't remember my, whenever I try to set a difficult password, I can never remember it. No, I know. Okay, celebs. Yeah, you know, and the, the last thing I'll say about this is I, I looked at some of them and then I, I got a little bored, to be honest. And I think, in, in part, I know that's sort of insensitive to say, but, you know, we're in the photo industry. We look at photos all the time. We look at horrible photos. We look at inspiring photos. We look at nude photos. Yeah. And it was kind of, you know, I totally understand. Like, I wouldn't want nude photos of me on the Internet, but just looking at a photo of somebody that I don't know, it's sort of like, okay, next. Like, I don't need to see this. And I didn't even look at all of them. I was like, this is boring. Well, good. I'm glad you didn't keep clicking them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, now I'm sure J-Law feels a lot better about herself. Um, mm. This was a crazy, you know, uh, it's one thing to, to, to be fascinated by someone like Noah Kalina, who's taken a photo of himself every day for like 10 years. That's pretty awesome. There are also the people who, like, once a year will take, you know, a photo of their kid on their birthday and then assemble it for, like, 20 years. That's also awesome. I've never seen a project as awesome as this. And the awesome thing about this is this occurred in, like, the late 70s, early 80s. So there's a Taiwanese-born, uh, I think he's actually American, uh, Teching She. He took a photo, a self-portrait of himself, using film every hour 
for a year. Every hour, 8,627 photos on the hour and had a, a time card, a punch time card machine that sort of documented. He's kind of like a performance artist. And he put this together and it's showing at a, uh, at a uh, uh, museum in Sydney right now. But he did this all in Manhattan back in like the late 70s. This is unbelievable. So yeah, part of the performance piece, the, it was a perform performance piece for him, was staying awake. So he would only sleep for less than, less than one hour, you know, at a time. Or leave the apartment less than one hour at a time. And otherwise he was just sitting there and snapping photos. It's and crazy. It's, it's insane. <laughs> you know, when I get less than five hours of sleep, I am just, I can't even focus. Right. I can't imagine doing this for a year. Mm -hmm. The guy must have incredible patience. And the outcome of it is just fascinating. I mean, all the imagery up on the wall, the way that the museum has decided to display it. Yeah, this is incredible. You can watch a little film of it happening for a year, and his hair is growing like really, really crazy. Right. He buzzed his head right before he started so that you could see the progression of his hair growth, which I thought was kind of fun. So I'm reading up on the guy, and this wasn't his only like, long-term project. Oh, man. He, he tied himself to another artist with a rope. Like a like an eight foot long rope. He tied himself to another artist for like a around, year. Like around the wrist? Around their waist. Around, around the waist. waist. They were like Siamese twins for a year. Wow. The guy the guy is it might be a little crazy to be yeah. able to do this. Yeah. But it really I mean, I really I really thought about this in the context of Noah because I just I couldn't imagine doing what Noah did. And I, I really can't imagine because Noah, for Noah, it's like, okay, I got to sit down, and I just have to remember, I set, I'll set like an alarm on my smartphone, and I have to take a photo of myself, and that will take literally one second. <laughs> right. But this guy dedicated a year of his life. Like, he can't, he, he can't do anything else. He's got to be next to the punch clock. Right. That is true performance art dedication that's right there. That's true performance art. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's some crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, over on Slate, you found a little piece about modern-day dandies. Modern-day dandies, yes, which is <laughs> a type of man that I did not know existed. No, you did not know that. No, but it's a very classy man, dapper, dresses in top hats and suits all the time, and great shoes and bow ties uh, and floral pins. And uh, this photographer, Rose Callahan, wanted to document these men, and she spent a few years going to their apartments, which are just phenomenal. Look at this guy's liquor collection. Huge. Huge. <laughs> that is so much liquor. Um, yeah, Rose went around to their apartments and took these beautiful portraits of them and kind of their lifestyle. This guy's drinking tea. Who drinks tea anymore? <laughs> I could name I could name a few people who drink tea, but I I don't drink from tea a teapot of, like that. Yeah, an elephant teapot. No, I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, no, these are beautiful, and they're being compiled in a book that's coming out. So you know, the thing that struck me about some of these is that uh, these guys are doing a lot of things that that a lot of normal quote normal dudes aspire to, like having a nice liquor cabinet, drinking tea, except they look really good doing it. Right, because they got their hair <laughs> slicked back and greased. Yeah, it's yeah. like if if like Brooklyn hipsters actually dressed well instead of being like normcore and wearing plants. 
they would look like these guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I want to know where these men go out in Brooklyn. Where are you guys yeah, going oh, that's out? That's a very like, good question. I feel like they're going to like some you know secret speakeasy that no one knows about, and they're all hanging out with each other. You know, it's incredible. Well, nowadays, you can be the type of per whatever type of person you want to be, you can be, especially in a place like New York. Like, nobody cares. Right. People respect your individualism, and you can, you can be this guy. It's kind of it's cool. But I also think about what, what is sort of the mental background on these people. Like, what, were they teased as children? Like, their mom dressed them up, they were teased as children, and they got a little bit older and confident. They're like, you know what? I'm going to dress how I'm going to dress. Right. I I'm guess gonna it's be... like everybody. Yeah, yeah. Just coming into your own style. These men That's have cool. just come into their own style. And I it's dig incredible. It. I dig it. Yeah. Well, and, and they... that, that, they, that they allow themselves to be called dandies, <laughs> which I know is the historical term, but it's, you know, it could be something cooler. It could Dandos. be. Dandos. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Oh, man. Well, great job, Rose. Love these portraits. And Love them. I, and I want to meet them. All the dandies. You might remember that uh, maybe a few months ago, we looked at historical photos of a Japanese photographer in Japan who took uh, photos of the pearl divers. Yes. And they were just incredible, incredible photos of something that you know, very few people know about, first of all, the whole pearl diving aspect of, in Japan, and then second of all, something that wasn't really documented uh, from a photographic perspective. So in that sense, just sort of the rarity of the event and the rarity of the documentation um, really made the, the photos, which were fantastic, stand out in my mind. Uh, also on Slate, we came across uh, photos from Horace Pula uh, of the Kiowa American Indian tribe. And here's a guy who went out between the 1920s and the 1950s. Um, and he took these photos. Speaking of dandies, look at this kid. <laughs> I love this. He's so, he's so cute. This is today, this is like today in micro fashion via Humans of New York, but, but back totally. in the 20s. Yeah. Totally. He's not, I mean, he's not trying to be period. He is period. He was of that period. Right, right, exactly. Um, but lovely portraits of uh, American Indians from the Kiowa tribe doing just a variety of things, um, from wearing their dandy outfits to their headdresses in like a military uh, something or another inside a B-17 Flying Fortress. There you go. <laughs> uh, 1944. Yeah, you know, there is such little documentation of... Native Americans, and this is such a great find, and I'm glad it's getting kind of surfaced up. Lo lovely photos. You know, I, I love digital. I love digital because of the convenience. The quality is really awesome. When you look at old film that's been properly exposed and well-preserved, it just looks lo wonderful, you know? The quality yeah. is just really off the charts. And you get, and, and, and look at this, this is clearly like a larger format photo where the, the separation of the foreground and the background elements are so distinct in a way that, that 35 really doesn't get it. Um, and 35 digital certainly doesn't get it. Uh, so, wonderful. Over on Slate. We'll have all of these links on the blog at blog.photoshelter.com, so we definitely encourage you to look at the photos. I know most of you just love the sound of Sarah in my voice, but that's really not <laughs> why we're here. <laughs> no, we want you to look at the photos. We want you to look at the photos. <laughs> it's all about loving photography. Terrence Simon is a uh, photographer um, who 
is probably best known for two projects she did. The first one was the Innocence Project. Um, she worked with Barry Sheck, who heads the Innocence Project. You might remember him from the old O.J. Simpson trial days. But Barry Sheck started the Innocence Project to use DNA as a way to exonerate uh, uh, people who were in prison. And Taryn um, did a whole book and portrait series of people who had, who had been exonerated uh, in the places where they were arrested. And just like crazy images, like a guy, like a huge guy hiding underneath the mattress, trying not to get caught. And all of these people were later exonerated because of DNA evidence. The second, well, not the second project, but the next second big project that got a lot of uh, attention, she took photos of uh, contraband that the TSA had confiscated um, from people at airports. All kinds of just weird stuff. You know, the weirdest, people try to take the weirdest stuff on planes. Sometimes because they're trying to sneak it on, sometimes just because they forgot. I forgot I had a, a lion's claw in my backpack. It just happened to be there. Well, now she's doing a whole photo series on James Bond 007 memorabilia and actresses who were in some of the films. Uh, so here is um, the character Pussy Galore from Goldfinger, uh, the actress Honor Blackman, from Taryn's new book, Birds of the West Indies. And I'm a huge James Bond fan, so there, here's a, uh, it looks like a, like a Hasselblad that's actually a rifle. Yeah, Hasselblad, can I know it's impossible to see on the screen right now because it's very dark, but Hasselblad counter gun, I would, I would love to have this in my apartment. That's a nice piece. So if you're into James Bond, like I am, uh, this is actually a very cool uh, thing to look at. Here's the 2008 Aston Martin DBS with continuity damage from Quantum of Solace. You might remember him driving, I think he was in Monaco, um, and the car getting really banged up. No, he was in Italy somewhere. He was in Italy somewhere. I have to admit that I've never seen. You've never seen a James Bond movie? Uh, I've seen the more recent ones, but none from, no, no, none from the past. <laughs> but that, that Hasselblad gun, uh, camera gun is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah <laughs> these, these photos, they're like scientific evidence almost, it looks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, I dig it. Of the movie, it's great. I, I didn't read the background on where she got all the actresses. I, I don't know whether it was a convention or not, but, you know, they're all against this, this white wall. It's not quite seamless. It's just a white wall. Um, but some nice uh, photos and some old old names. You know, if you're as old as I am, Sarah, then you might remember some of these movies that came out. But good stuff. Speaking of portraits, over on Feature Shoot, portraits of hip New Yorkers with their bikes. You know, the reason why I brought this up, Sarah, is because I thought it was really interesting to see such a variety of poses that people had with their bikes. Because normally you think, yeah, a guy in a bike, that's it. Yeah, no, she did a great job of getting a variety of shots for this book. And if there's one thing you can't separate, you cannot separate a Brooklynite from their bike. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> Unless you're a cop and you, you know, ram them off their bike. That, that's one that, way to do it. That is one way to do it. Hopefully that's not happening too often. <laughs> Sam um, Polster is the photographer and uh, I'll show you which one is my favorite photo. Because initially, you know, I was looking at the first few and I was like, oh, okay, you know, Brooklyn hipsters on their bikes. Um, and then I saw this pose, which I think was taken in Chinatown. Let me scroll down to it. Maybe in China. Yeah, I think I know the street in Chinatown where this is taken. 
I, I'm sure there are plenty of photos of people holding their bike this way. This is the first one that 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 I've seen that I was like, oh wow, that's a really nice environmental portrait. It is. She just looks like a badass chick. Yeah. <laughs> Some nice stuff. Yeah, these are great. And also just the variety of bikes, too, which just shows off each person's personality. And it's yeah, and she really worked. Like, here, look at this, like, afternoon light. I mean, maybe it's lit, but I like to think that it's more like afternoon light because I don't see anything else that's really lit. Um, yeah. Some really nice control of the light there. So check it out. People on their bikes. <laughs> Um, Ikea launched uh, uh, their new catalog and actually yesterday I saw a piece with the 300 something page catalog where they were making fun of the iPad. They said this is, the, this is a real book and look how responsive the pages are and to, to get to the next page swipe to the, to the left and to get back swipe to the right. Um, so it was a very funny play on the whole iPad thing. Turns out that 75% of the images you see in the catalog are computer generated. Like the one you're seeing here. This is computer generated. That is sort of alarming. It is sort of alarming. <laughs> now, on the other hand, this is what I was thinking. You know, companies, it doesn't matter whether you whether you want to support photography as an art or not. You have to be cost effective. And when you're shooting a catalog that has 300 some odd pages in it with literally thousands of products, I mean, just think of the sheer time it would take you to like install all of that stuff into a fake set and then light it perfectly and then photograph it. This is, this is almost like a sheer volume and consistency problem. That's true. I didn't think about how large their catalogs are, but you're right. I mean, the, they're like thick novels. <laughs> Yeah, and everybody, like a lot of people have walked into an Ikea before and gotten lost and spent the day there and, you know, taken a, a nap on the bed because you can and because it's so <laughs> huge. So can you imagine as a photographer just walking into an Ikea and trying to take a photo of every single item in there? It would take you forever. It would. Um, and, and quite honestly, like I wouldn't want that job. You would literally be on, you'd literally be shooting the catalog for your entire life. You'd be like teshing shit. It's like every hour on the hour you hit that punch clock and you take a photo <laughs> of a new item and by the time you finish the whole catalog it's time to start the 2016 catalog. <laughs> right. I yeah, yeah, I guess you're right cuz at first this this news this bit of news kind of alarmed me. I was like mm -hmm. this is taking away from from interior photographers, you know, that do this for a living. But you're right, the sheer amount of stuff that IKEA has and produces, it would be a bit overwhelming to produce. Yeah, and, and we've seen this in car photography for many, many years, where it's just, it, you can't get like the moving shots without really incurring like a ton of cost that you can by just computer generating it and putting it into the scene that you want this, you know, to be like the high mountain Alps. Like, you're not going to hire a helicopter in high winds, but if you want to show the thing in a storm, you have to computer-generate the car. So I think there are practical reasons for having the computer-generated imagery not always appropriate. I certainly don't like seeing computer-generated people. That's <laughs> always weird. You know, we don't need that. We need real actors. We need real real people in the photos and whatnot. But, uh, and no holograms. Yeah, no holograms. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't surprised to see the direction that, that this was going uh, with the with the catalog. So 
you know, it is what it is. The technology marches on. Technology is uh, pretty interesting because nowadays, of course, we have satellites that can beam down satellite photos of Syria or wherever we're looking at in the world. Back in the olden days, back in the film days, satellites had to drop their film from orbit. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous. To it even really say. does. You know, I had never even thought about this. Because, of course, back before digital photography, which was really up until, you know, like 1998, how the heck did spy satellites get their, their images down? And, of course, you know, there were, there, were, there, were, there were ways of getting it down prior to 1998, but, but during the Cold War, there was no digital photography. There were no such things as the CMOS sensor, the CCD sensor. Here's a piece on Petapixel where they talk about the satellites dropping their film into film buckets from space where they were caught mid-air by airplanes. This I, is insane. Yeah, I just can't, I can't fathom it. So here's a little animated GIF that maybe you can see on your screen if I'm sharing my screen. Yeah, you can see it there. So yeah, here this, it's a, it's a, a canister of film or a few things of film on a parachute flying through the air at, I don't know, 100 miles an hour. And a guy in a plane trying to catch it with a little boom. With like a claw thing. With like a claw. Like, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing ever. My favorite part of this story is that an, another way that they would get filmed down is they would drop it in, into water and then the boats would come. And it said that the U.S. government stopped putting the word top secret on the canister after it was found by someone. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. A few years later. <laughs> so they, they say yeah. here, you might be able to read it on your screen, after one was discovered by a Venezuelan farmer in 1964, the U.S. government stopped lab labeling them secret and instead <laughs> offered a reward in eight languages to anyone who returned it to the United States. Uh, good job, U.S. government. Gosh, man. <laughs> Labeled it secret. I love that. It it makes me a little bit nostalgic for, of course, we consider the time before us to be simpler times. Um, but, you know, with all of, like, the Snowden and the J-Law photos and all this digital stuff in the cloud and what, here's here's photos really in the clouds. <laughs> yeah. this is, these are literally in the cloud. <laughs> and an airplane has to go pick them up. I just made that up. That was pretty good. I love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the last the uh, photo right. Hashtag piece. I, I love yeah. photo. Hashtag I love photo, if you like that, that joke. <laughs> the last piece is from a Washington Post uh, journalist. This journalist's name is Jeff Gates. Jeff Gates adopted two Chinese girls uh, as his kids. And every year when he goes to the Jersey Shore, they get on the, the ferry, and he goes to the, uh, the back of the boat, and he takes a photo of his two daughters... Uh, embracing one another in some cases, putting their arm around the other in other cases. So Jeff Gates was out there this past summer. He took the photo you see in the lower right corner, um, at which point he was approached by Homeland Security. Who off, started Off-duty, right? Off-duty, off-duty off duty Homeland home. Security. Mm -hmm. Who started questioning him of what he was doing. Because... The, the guy said, and the guy did not apologize, he said, I saw you taking photos with those girls for a long time. I want to I understand what's going on. And he's like, I don't, what do you mean? Now, I get it. It's not every day you see a white guy with two Chinese daughters. So in that sense, it's unusual. 
on the other side, there are you know as we've seen with like a lot of these cases with 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 the cops and journalists, like there's a way to approach a situation where you don't put someone on the defensive or make them feel stupid or make them feel enraged about like your moral superiority. Um, and the fact that the guy didn't like instead of saying hey hey those are those are lovely your kids are lovely like that was one way like the the spy way to do it your kids are lovely lovely did you get some photos and then the guy could say oh those aren't my kids those are you know my my neighbor's kids I'm you know there's ways to do it <laughs> instead of being like what the hell are you doing buddy right yeah he approached the women and asked are you guys okay which yeah yeah which is that if if it's your dad and then you realize what what that man is thinking it just makes for an incredibly uncomfortable situation for the daughters and yeah. for the dad and embarrasses the entire family and it's 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 too bad that we are under such suspicion that just because a white man is taking photos of two chinese girls that for some reason that's wrong uh, to be sure, there are creepos out there, but there are. Yeah. the creepos yeah. are always in the minority, and it's unfortunate that we have to approach everyone as if they're a creepo because of like a few creepos. Right. And I think that's also that's also a manifestation of like the information age, where you know you have Amber Alerts, and then everything's on the internet, and it sort of fuels you into thinking that the problem's much larger than it is. Right. Or if you or the campaign, if you see something, say something. Or yeah. don't, don't assume that bag was left by accident. You know, it's just like paranoia. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think a black bag underneath a subway car in a major city is one thing. I think like two girls who are smiling and taking photos, um, I, I don't know how that really raises much suspicion. Like, he thought they were sex slaves, and the guy was, like, taking photos of them, like, on the back of a ferry going to the Jersey Shore. It doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, and Jeff says, Jeff says that he, had, he, told, he talked to his older daughter about what had happened. She started crying because she, she just couldn't. Once she understood the context in which the accusation was made, it really upset her, as I can totally understand. Yeah. And, and you you know you read all you read the statistics about like abductions and 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 whatnot and like sexual abuse and whatnot and 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 it's rarely like a stranger who who perpetrates those types of activities. So the notion that like oh random white guys like taking photos of two Chinese sex slaves just like like what what universe are you living in? That just really doesn't happen that often. Right. Or maybe maybe I'm the naive one. I don't know. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, just uh, just funny, you know, to live in 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 this society where photos are just they're everywhere. Photos are everywhere. People take photos all the time, and then you run into situations like this, where just like I can't believe that this accusation uh, is true here. We end with a little product uh, news. I don't think we've ever actually talked about photo shelter on this photo shelter <laughs> <of> photography <laughs> podcast, in, in part because we want to celebrate photography, but we do have a product, which is a, a wonderful website for <laughs> photographers. Yes, we do, and we have an update this week that's pretty exciting. You can now upload your work straight from the site builder. So that means while you're while you're customizing your site, you don't have to jump back into the back end to upload more images. You can do it right as you're deciding which imagery do I want on my homepage. So this streamlines your workflow, makes it way easier to customize your site, 
and is a pretty awesome addition. Now, we should clarify, because most people who have a photo website are probably thinking to themselves, well, what's the big deal? I, I do that already. Well, Photo Shelter has an archive component to it, where you can build a whole back-end archive of images, some of which you want to show on your front-end website, some of which you might want to have in private galleries, etc. So it's always been separated. The two have been separated from one another. I was also looking at WordPress 4.0 today, which was just released, and they finally did something where while you're writing, and, and you write for the blog as well, Sarah, so you know, like the window in which you actually write is very, very tiny. Right, yeah. And when you scroll through it, you lose all of the formatting toolbars. So yeah. like if you want to bold something, you have to scroll back up and find it and then go back down. They fixed all of that in 4.0. Uh-oh. It took them four versions to get to the point where that very basic thing is there. And I said, well, of course, of course it seems obvious, but it took a while to get there. And so, like with PhotoShelter, you might say, well, of course, you should be able to upload straight into the gallery while you're in the builder mode. Well, we got there. <laughs> so what's, what's not to like about the new update? Nothing. Awesome. Well, we're going to we're gonna have to update our WordPress then. Oh, I, I already up. I, I put it on our test server. It's looking great. It's so much easier to use. Okay. Just like PhotoShelter. Great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All righty. Well, if you have any uh, photographic topics that you want to cover, you can always tweet at us at hashtag I love photo. We'd love to see your suggestions. I, I follow a lot of friends on Facebook and Twitter, and when we get a lot of those suggestions from those news feeds, so it's really helpful to have all eyes out there looking at photography. Um, but Sarah, let's let's try to stay uh, not too sweaty on our foreheads uh, this weekend. Okay, I'm gonna, gonna be tough. I'm gonna try. Gonna be tough. I'm gonna try. <laughs> uh, we'll see everybody next week for uh, Sarah Jacobs. This is Alan Murabayashi signing off. Have a great weekend. Bye bye.